For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. You're here with Chuck Campisi and Tony Dick for Believe in the Browns. It's a new year, new intros. So quick intro on everybody. Tony spent 20 years in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns in various capacities on the grounds crew and in alumni relations, running that latter department before he departed. Myself, I spent five years in the NFL in various capacities in media and community relations. Luckily for me, I ended up with teams that generally made the playoffs, going to the playoffs 60% of the time. Tony, unfortunately, got, uh, what, 5% of the time, 120th there, I <laughs> think, like Tony. Uh, I got lucky, got a Super Bowl ring, hit that peak Dungy Gruden Bucks era. Um, so that was a good time. But we're here for Believe in the Browns. Tony, first, we're going to talk a little bit about what you're doing this week, right? I'm heading down to the Super Bowl at the end of the month. You're heading down to the CFP right now. you got about 15, 16 students with you. What's the trip been like so far? Where have you stopped? What have you done? Uh, well, we, we started off, uh, we left on uh, Sunday um, early in the a.m. And, and headed down south, got uh, about halfway down. Um, uh, on our way down, we stopped in... Uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and Louisville, Kentucky. Um, stopped at the uh, Churchill Downs. Um, checked that out a little bit, um, which was great for our students. Many of them had never been to a horse track before, let alone the greatest horse track on the planet. Um, so that was neat. Um, and then ended up, uh, we, we set our tents up in Tuscaloosa on Sunday night. Uh, Monday morning, we woke up and, um, you know, through, uh, you know, various contacts that I've, I've made over the years, I, I, you know, the one thing working for the Browns, no, we did not make the playoffs a lot, but uh, yes, we have been blessed with, um, when you look at staff most especially, um, some pretty pretty big names and some pretty special people, and, and fortunately for me, I, I was there in the the uh, mid-90s when um, Coach Bilicek was coaching the team and uh, also on our staff was Nick Saban. So um, uh, as a result, uh, Coach Bilicek's old secretary, uh, Linda Leone, um, 
is now the uh, personal assistant for Coach Saban at Alabama. So um, we were able to spend the day in Coach Saban's office, uh, spent the morning there, um, which was beyond, um, you know, for our students, it was uh, an excellent opportunity, but I definitely have to tip my hat to Coach and and, uh, Miss Linda, as they call her now, that she's down here in the South. I had to tip my hat to them because it ended (laughs) up being a pretty busy day for them um, as uh, the the press conference for Tua um, was at the same time that we were there. So there was people kind of scrambling. I mean, you know, for them, obviously, uh, Tua leaving, making the decision to make the jump to the NFL – Leaves a bit of a void. Which is the decision he has to make. Yeah, oh yeah, well definitely. But it, it leaves a little bit of a void for Alabama. I mean, uh, I don't think it's going to be hard for them to recruit a quarterback. I'm pretty sure they'll be able to fill that spot. But um, <laughs> so, so we did that. Um, we've got some big uh, big things uh, tonight. We're actually um, going to a Pelicans game. We'll be in New Orleans tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see Zion's return. Um, I, I think believe that's what they're saying will happen. Um, so it's uh, it's it's been good, a good planning on your part. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's all all about that uh, the timing. So we're gonna check out World War II Museum, um, also in New Orleans, which I think uh, with the present uh, political scene or world global scene out there i think it'll be good for our kids to know what an actual world war um is um since i'm hearing we're on the verge of of a new one um i guess it'd be good to know what they we're actually talking about when we say that so that's what we're doing and of course eh, you know we'll also check out the college football playoff national championship game on monday so that's our final destination um which should be exciting Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds like a great trip. I mean, obviously, I've been to Churchill Downs. I've been there for the Derby. Um, I have not, obviously, been to, to tour Coach Saban's office in Alabama, uh, but I saw the pictures. That looks awesome. Um, the World War II Museum, I was there last year, right around this time, actually, um, right after New Year's last year. Um, we were there, and it's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, I found my grandfather's brick uh, that's out there as, as he served in in the war um and that was that was cool got my you know picture with my girls um standing next to my grandfather's brick so that was a that was a cool moment for me sent the photo to my dad and he was he was all excited um so that's a that's a great museum tons of just unbelievable stuff in there so you guys will have a you know i don't want to say a blast um because it's obviously not you know a fun fun place but it's it's a really interesting place you learn a lot and you get a lot out of that you can't walk out of that museum and not just have a ton of respect for for anybody that was taking part in that Um, we also were lucky enough to be there um, when a world war ii fighter pilot um, was giving a presentation Um, so we sat through that videotaped some of that it was awesome Um, so that should be a good time for everybody but yeah no looking forward to it so yeah, yeah, it'll be awesome. I know you're a history buff, so you can't uh, can't go wrong with that place. Can't go wrong with that place. Number one in Coach Saban's office. Let me know. We'll, we'll hook you up. We'll hook you up. Uh, you know, the the one thing I will say about that is there's a perception that he's kind of this stiff gentleman um, in in kind of aloof. Um, but I will say um, he allowed the kids. They uh, basically he's got a table with all of the rings that he's earned at Alabama <laughs> and. 
that the kids were able to try on the rings and take pictures and do whatever they want. I mean, it was, uh, for, for the kids, it was an opportunity that, um, you know, was pretty special. And like I said, on a day when they were as busy as they were, they very easily could have just said, hey, listen, we've got this major announcement going on today. We're going to be exceptionally busy here. Um, we Sorry, we can't do it. And um, instead, they just said, hey, come on in. And, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of TV reporters. Just, you know, be careful you don't bump into any of their equipment and tr- try on any of the rings <laughs> you want and do whatever you want to do. So great, great time. So once again, I, I thank Coach and and Miss Linda, uh, that was a great opportunity. So, yeah, and that's—I mean—that's part of the business, right? That's making the contacts and doing those types of things. We're heading down. Uh, one of the guys we worked with when I was up here, and one of the ladies I worked with when I was down in Miami, they hooked us up. We we're going down to the Heat, you know, doing a game down there when we uh, head down to Miami, and and you use those connections because you make you make that network while you're working in industry. Yeah, I agree. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts, at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. So we have the Browns as the only team left that is looking to hire a head coach, which it doesn't necessarily bother me either way. I'm not. I wasn't necessarily dead set on any of the previous hires uh, that have been made. So you're looking at what seems to be Stefanski, Sala, and McDaniel's. I know they're bringing in Jim Swartz. I I can't imagine with his record as a head coach where it's it's not even close to 500 uh, that they would bring him in. Other than just as a interview to say, hey, we interviewed somebody else with head coaching experience, even though we're probably going to hire a coach um, that has minimal or none, uh, because you know McDaniel's has a season and a half. So, what do we think, Tony? Which direction? I know we talked a little bit about it last time. Which direction do you think we're going? And then I guess we can get into a little bit of the, hey, you called it what week six of the season. Um, that that Dorsey was one of the guys that needed to go, and and he's out the door. But where are we from a head coaching standpoint? Since ownership said, "Hey, we're hiring the head coach first, then they're going to have input on who that that personnel person is." Well, it, you know, I was talking to a couple couple friends the other day, um, you know, former colleagues, and I said that the one thing that you can definitely uh, be guaranteed is that no matter who we select as the head coach. Um, that person will have been our number one choice of the head coach. So uh, <laughs> it's one thing. If you, you want a sure bet, uh, put all your money on that. No matter who we pick, that was the person we wanted from day one. Um, uh, in, in all kidding aside, I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I know probably at this point, with, with all the, the top names gone already, um, you know, I'd, I'd said to folks, you know, guys like McCarthy, guys like Ron, I mean, Ron Rivera didn't even, I mean, he didn't even consider interviewing with the team. He was gone immediately. Mike McCarthy, you know, a guy we, we heard about how he had all these ties to the team and, and everything else. I mean, the reality is uh, a guy like that's not going to leave coaching, take an entire year off to kind of unwind and think about stuff and then jump into 
the Cleveland Browns. I, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, you're not taking a year off to do that. So um, I'm not surprised at where we're at. I think McDaniels is probably still the front runner within the building, um, only because, um, and I, you know, I hate to say this because I'm not putting him, I don't want to put him down. He's, you know, Josh is a great coach, but I think more than anything, his name rises to the top based on the reaction we're going to get from the fan base, this whole local kid, you know, which, once again, that goes back to what I've said about the the organization as a whole over the course of the season. You know, the fact that they have no sense of the history of the team. I mean, because we've done the hometown hero thing before. I mean, how many times have we done that? Um, but but does it? I mean, what's it's such BS? Like, do these? Do you think these guys care more because it's their hometown team? It's not like these guys aren't trying to get to Super Bowls and win games. If it's like, oh, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. I'm only coaching for the, you know, the Cardinals. You know, I I can I can let it slide a yeah. little bit once I get you know coaching for you know my hometown team, whoever that is. I'm now gonna take it to the next level. Like th- th- that's such yeah junk. I, I think not only is it junk, I, th- I think you know it it actually acts as a negative because you know we talk about the fact that he's got ties to John Carroll and, and there's like a list of all these Carroll people that are in the league now. Well, I mean, you can't tell me there wouldn't be pressure on him to bring all those people in, whether or not they were the right fit. I think it becomes a, hey, one of our guys got a job, you know, let's all pile in here. And and I... Oh, well, and it's not like any every single person he's ever met in his entire life is not going to be hitting him up for tickets now, too. Yeah. Right? And yes, they have people to handle that, but you got to understand that more people in this area the Northeast Ohio, greater Cleveland area, whatever you want to call it, are going to know who he is than if he went to anywhere else yeah. in in the league. Yeah. No. So he, he can't, he literally cannot go anywhere but his home and the office without being recognized. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest with you, I just don't, I don't, I don't think he's, he's the right fit. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, when, when I look at what he's done in New England in, in, you hate to hold other people's, um, you know, success and or lack of success when they left New England, um, but but I mean, it's it's pretty evident that Coach Bilicek is the reason that that thing runs the way it runs. Now, I mean, obviously Josh and and Matt Patricia and guys like that, you know, they play a part, but at the end of the day, the one constant over the last 20 years in regards to their excellence has been Bill Belichick. I mean, the Cronells have come and gone. Um, you know, Josh has come, gone, come, gone, you know, whatever. Um, it, it, it's it's that one constant. So I, I don't know how much of his success has been the system or or, or it's him. And um, so if, if I have questions about that, I, I immediately feel like if I'm part of this, selection process i have to eliminate him because they've got to get it right we can't keep saying we need to get it right like at some point you have to get it right so if you've got a guy that has kind of questions whether it's fair or not i mean him taking a job and then not taking the job or you know him going to denver and not really having the success that people thought he was going to have i think you got to take that into account because we can't afford to get this one wrong um 
at least not in a short term. I mean, you, you can't have this, you know, him come in here and be, uh, I've said he'll, he'll end up being a Mangini 2.0, um, you know, where you almost feel like you've got to be too controlling and you've got to prove to everybody that, you know, hey, you're the you're Bill Belichick's, you know, number two or whatever. Well, I think, you know. I would say I think he got that out of the way in Denver. You know, so that's, I hold Denver less against him just because of, you know, granted, it's not like he was a young kid. It's not like he was in his 20s when that happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was a full-grown adult at that point. Let's be honest, okay? This guy, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a year older than me almost exactly, Yeah. right? So he gets that job in 2009. He's a 33-year-old man, Yeah. okay? He's not a 28-year-old kid, so, but... In terms of taking on that much responsibility, that's a pretty young age. So I don't hold that against him as much as I hold the Indianapolis decision against him, where he took a job, hired people to come to work with him, and then left that job essentially the next day yeah, it, or the same day. Right, as he had already hired people who had already signed contracts, left their jobs, and went, you know, luckily for those coaches, Frank Reich is a hell of a guy and a hell of a coach and kept those guys on staff to allow them to not be completely and totally screwed over. But I hold that at much more against him than I hold um, the Denver thing, right? If, if, hey, if you're, you know, 11 and 17, right, fine, you got, you know, a season in, and three quarters in Denver. Hey, you're young. I'll get it. Hey, you know, it's not like Belichick let the, lit the world on fire when he was here with the Browns either. So I get that first coaching job. Not everybody's as successful as you would love, and you learn a lot from that, specifically when you go back and become a coordinator again. And then, you know, the steps he's followed. I think he's done the right things. But then that 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 2018 with Indianapolis, that that really is what has soured me on him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I to me if I'm in the room, I I I bump him off the list, and, and you know, and that's where I, I think it's one of those glaring, glaring things when we talk about just the, um, just just how the the system that they've set up as far as hiring the coaches is so, I uh, just out of whack, um, because he's at the top of their list, and we're saying he shouldn't even be on the list. And um, I know probably Stefanski is going to be a name um, that's going to rise to the top too. But I, I once again, I, I don't. I think I see things a little bit differently than everybody else. I mean, everyone, um, you know, especially locally, has kind of portrayed this job as if it's this magnificent job. Like we've got all the pieces in place. <laughs> we just need the coach. But when you look at it, I think once people start diving into what you actually have there in Cleveland, do you really have all the pieces? Because as Browns fans, yeah, we want to believe that Baker Mayfield is the right guy. Um, we want to believe that Miles Garrett could be a leader on defense. You, you know, we may believe that Joe Schobert is uh, you know the next Jack Lambert. But but the thing is, when you look, we'll at, talk about that later. Yeah, when you look at it from the outside. I mean, Miles Garrett clearly has proven to be immature. I mean, you can't have a guy who's a leader, quote unquote, when he's 
being thrown out of the season, you know, you know, for doing something stupid. You can't have somebody who's your quote unquote leader on offense when you know throughout the season he's thrown guys under the bus. Um, he's just made idiotic statements. He's put targets on people's back. I mean, so if you're someone coming in from the outside, especially if you're seeking out this disciplinarian, some of these people that you're looking at may come in here and not see things the way you're seeing them. And if that's the case then how close are we really to winning anything? I mean, you know, the next person you bring in here might decide they want to blow this whole thing up. Um, and, of course, we're just talking about coaches right now. You know, the, the other piece of this puzzle is once we hire the coach, like who, who are we going to hire to be the GM? Because to me, the GM piece is the most important piece if you're hiring a true GM because they're the ones that are going to seek out the talent you need. Um, and and it, so who, who's that going to be? You know, what candidates are going to be out there by the time we get done with our process? Who's going to be out there and available that's going to be able to come in and, and, and get this thing done? Because um, to me, the, the, the GM, and that's why I, I don't believe in this hiring process that they've used. I do not believe in hiring a head coach and then allowing that head coach to be a part of who the GM is. If you're looking at a, 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 an organization like an NFL team, your GM should be the guy that is there 10, 15, 20 years. Coaches can come and go. But the GM, I mean, if you look at successful franchises, um, you know, they don't have GMs coming and going the same as the coaches. I mean, you can lose coaches here and there, but the GM is the person who's, you know, they've established this is what our organization is about, and then they go out and get the pieces to get that done. And... I, I don't know. I just feel like we got the um, the tail wagging the dog here, and it's you know once again it goes back to what we've said because you do not have people in the building that understand the history of how this does not work. Um, it's just I don't know, and, and, and you know it's funny when we talk about McDaniel's being a top you know top candidate. Look, look at the the last time we made this mistake was when we brought in Mangini and allowed him to to quote unquote hire. His GM, how did that work out for us? I mean, that. I think we still haven't heard the whole story on that one. And, um, it, you know, I, I don't know. So, yeah, uh, yeah you know. <laughs> so if, if you're looking at this, if but if you're looking at it, right, um, I mean, my question realistically for for the Browns is, is why, why do you just not name Highsmith your GM? Yeah, well... Right. I mean, that to me, it seems like that guy is about as well respected as as anybody in the league from in a talent evaluation standpoint. And he's already in the building. Why not just name him the general manager? Let him and and I don't mind having De Podesta involved in the hiring process. I know some people are like, you know, get the nerds out of here. I'm I'm heavy on the analytics, so it's, it's fine with me. Uh, based on some of the information that we have heard coming out of the building as to who he preferred in both of the last two hiring processes. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like he would have been a much better person to have selecting uh, than the people they did have selecting the the head coach. So I don't mind having those two guys as your point people for this is who needs to be our head coach right and obviously i'm biased a little bit on highsmith right he's a you guy so um and 
And so you have some of that coming into play. I'm not sure why we just don't do that and just give him the keys, let him and, and De Podesta figure out who that coach is going to be and and move forward with, with those two guys as our, our top players um, in the well organization. You know, I would I would I would agree with that. Uh if um Highsmith wants to be here. I mean I mean that, you know that's the other problem we have is we're assuming that um these folks want to be here. I, I, I don't believe I don't believe that's the case with him. I, I don't believe I, I think he's had a taste of just how things are run, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I think he's one of those guys that um, he's talented enough he could go anywhere, and why would he want to stay here? Because, the, well, I, unless you... But you give him the keys to the car. Yeah, but you know what? We've given the keys to the car to other people uh, in the past, and, and at the end of the day, um, we've... we've seen that ownership can get in the way regardless of who they're giving the keys to and I think if you've been in the building and you if you see that happening you see qualified people who um, you know can make quality decisions and they don't get to I mean you talk about De Podesta I mean once again here's a guy that was brought in because of his his uh, not just the analytics but I think more than anything his expertise in processes and putting together yeah. a process to get things done correctly. If you brought him in for that, and he's on two occasions thrown out names of better coaches than what we got, that just tells you all you need to know about how that <laughs> that building's working. It's like, what's the point of having that guy there? You, you, you know, if if you're not going to take his advice, I, I mean, if I got Albert Einstein um, at my disposal. I'm going to have him do my math homework for me, and I'm not going to question it. <laughs> I, I mean, it, I, that's... Did, didn't he fail math? Didn't he fail math? Yeah, in, uh, well, like not as time. bad as I did, so... Um, <laughs> but it, it's just, that, and that's one of the things, like I said, that I, I feel like as Browns fans, we, we just we make these assumptions that people want to be there, and I don't know if it's the case. I, I mean, just like we, we made assumptions, and I think we're starting... Hopefully, I think that's the one thing that's going to come out of this this regime change um, is that our fans start to wake up and see exactly what we've got going on here. Because two weeks ago, like I said, and we've been through this now. This is the fourth time we're going through this. We throw out this list of all these amazing names of people who are, oh, you know, we're going to get this guy. Urban Meyer's coming. Mike McCarthy's coming. Ron Rivera's coming. Matt Rule. All the... One after another, these folks have chosen to go to organizations, some of which are organizations that we as Browns fans believe are more def- uh, dysfunctional than our own, yet yet there's people yeah, running that's, that's, to those teams yeah. and not there's no one running to this job. No one has run to this job. Even, you know, we mentioned Josh McDaniels. He's not overly... You know, you would think even his agent would be just floating stuff out there about how much he, you know, he'd love the job. I don't see too many people running to this job. Um, and as a result... I, and I agree with that. I agree with that. But still, I think both in the case of, of the head coach and the general manager, for there are only so many of these positions, right? So even if it is stepping into a bad situation... 
most of these, and I say guys because it's always been guys in these roles, right? Most of these guys believe that they are the solution or they can be the solution. So I don't think that if, if you offer, for the most part, you know, the head coaching job or the general manager job to, you know, if you offer the general manager job to, to Highsmith today, I got to believe he's going to take it. If you offer the head coaching job to anybody who's on the list right now, I got to believe they're going to take it. So in that sense, you do have your choice, but I agree with you that they, they might have missed the boat if they could have hired somebody a little quicker. Um, I would have liked to have seen realistically, you know, even though I don't think they're, you know, elite level necessarily NFL coaches, I would have probably rather preferred Ron Rivera or Mike McCarthy stepping into this role uh, just because of they did have success in their positions. McCarthy won a Super Bowl. Rivera got to a Super Bowl. And they seemed to be able to turn the culture around in the organizations they were in. Yes, McCarthy had some issues with his star player or whatever. But, you know, you have to deal with some of those things. But out of the candidates you have left, I don't think anybody's turning necessarily the role down. And it would have been nice to have one of those guys in there. But that's you know that's not how this organization operates because they haven't operated necessarily efficiently for the past 20 years. Well, and, and, and you know, of the guys that are left, you know, you talk, I, I, I think looking at the list, the one guy to me, if they, you know, if we could just pick one guy and force them to be our coach. You know, Ron, Ron Rivera was the one guy out there that I think was absolutely perfect. And, and I, you know, once again, this is me, you know, it's kind of a Browns fan looking down on the Washington Redskins. I almost feel bad that he's in that position because their owner is just as controlling and just as maniacal and the situation is just as messed up. But um, I, I really felt like he was the one guy that checked off all the boxes for me. McCarthy, I think... You know, he kind of inherited a system that was already in place. I don't think he created that system. And then, you know, he just he was able to just kind of hold the wheel steady, right, and keep us going and pointed in the right direction. I, I don't think he would have been as effective as Ron Rivera because I think Ron Rivera is better at creating cultures, whereas Mike McCarthy was better at managing a process and a um, – you know, something that was already in place. I don't think he created anything really at Green Bay while he was there. He just maintained what was handed to him. And I think that's, you know, when you talk about him running into trouble with Rodgers, I think that's where he ran into trouble. I mean, he was simply maintaining what had been there and not really bringing it up to speed with where they needed to be to come. I'll give you that to a certain extent, but I mean, he maintained it for a decade, right? I mean, it's not like well, you got Aaron Rodgers. For... I mean, you know, that's the other thing too that people fail to mention. If you're hiring Mike McCarthy, you don't get Aaron Rodgers with him. Um, you, you get Mike McCarthy, so I, and that's part of it too. I, I mean, we we have to give some of well, the credit. I mean, to... Cam Newton was no slouch. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, look what he did in the two seasons where he really didn't have Cam Newton, right? Yeah. Five and six wins, you know? So, I mean, I, I think you can play that one either way, depending on the side of the coin. I agree with you. I would have rather had Rivera um, than McCarthy, even though McCarthy has a you know better record and everything. But, 
I think that one's a little yeah. debatable because there's plenty of coaches that have had good organizations or good quarterbacks that have, uh, you know, floundered. But but even even saying teams. that, I guess I, I would I would definitely rather have Mike McCarthy than uh, and than uh, Brian Dable or whoever we end up with. Um, um, so um, I don't know. I, I think, like I said, all the all the all the, the big ships have sailed, and now we're down to, and I hate to say Josh and Stefanski. I, I don't know. I, I hate to say those guys are, you know, lesser candidates, but, I mean, once again, it goes back to what I said when we hired Pettin and when we hired Hugh Jackson. I mean, when the Haslam's first took over this team, we heard, you know, all the names that were bandied about, that we're willing to spend whatever it takes to, you know, to win a championship, and if... That means bringing in Bill Cower or Gruden or Andy Reid or you know, so you, you list off all these names and then you can throw Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy into that into that mix and then all of a sudden it's like well we're we're gonna take a look at you know Dable who was a guy that was already in the building I, you know in, and I guess you could say hey at least they're kicking over every stone but the guy was already in the building once again like what are you interviewing this guy for? Like you already know who he is and what he can do, and and you can't tell me that. Well, I, you gotta, you gotta, you assume that they do, right? No, oh, yeah. I mean they have a sense that he was on the staff at some point, but you can't honestly say that they probably actually ever talked to the guy the entire time he was there. No, but uh, yeah, probably not. But I, I just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Yeah, well. I don't know. I, like I said, I knew we were in trouble the minute they announced the uh, the committee that was uh, going to be hiring the coach. And when you see that, you know, fifty percent of the committee um, was also part of the group that headed up the uh, last uniform change. I mean, that uh, it tells you all you need to know about uh, you, you know what, what they've been able to do in the past. So, unless you like the new uniforms, I mean, and then you got the right team. Yeah, I don't think anybody's on that boat. Yeah. All right, so so before we get to the, we'll do a quick hitter here at the end. But if you had to choose, who do you think they're going with? And and they said right Saturday is allegedly the day that everything's going to be announced. So who's your pick for next Browns head coach? I at this point, I, I like Stefanski. Um, okay, I I just I think. If you, you're gonna take a flyer, is that on, who you think they're gonna pick? Um, no, I, I think they'll well they'll, they'll they'll push for Josh McDaniels. I believe they will, but I, I, whether or not Josh takes the job, it, it remains to be seen. I, I I don't see anybody with any intelligence, which I think he has, that would be willing to step away from. I think the opportunity for him to take over for Coach Belichick is there, and to be honest with you, with the last couple you know seasons that they've had um and with just the dealing with the drama with Brady and everything else I don't see coach sticking around until he's you know until Brady's 45 or whatever you know I don't see that happening um I'd like to I'd like to see you know Josh become the head coach and then maybe you know Bill if he chooses to have a role with that team you know, kind of becomes like that GM, or, or not even a GM. They probably just make him president, special of the team assistant, or, yeah. or whoever. Yeah. Um, but it's like if if you've got the potential to take over the keys to that organization, w- would you rather have that or 
come to Cleveland and, and you know, maybe have a job here in three years. Yeah. I mean, because if he comes, he's coming and, and he's got to be in the Super Bowl in three years. All right? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I don't see Belichick ever stepping away. So I, I don't know how how likely that is. You know, I don't see him stepping away for maybe five years until he's in his easily into his 70s. Um, so I, I don't know about that. I hope, I actually hope it's Robert Saleh. Um from the from the Niners, I think it's their defensive coordinator. I, I think I he's he's the guy I I would be rooting for, just from you know what I know about him and the folks I know that know him in the building. So I, that's that's who I got. I I, I think it's going to be McDaniel's. I, I don't see I, I, I don't see anyone from the 49ers coming. And this goes back to this goes back to why this organization is where they're at. They crapped on Kyle Shanahan so bad that you cannot tell me that that guy has not been in, you know, uh, out to dinner, private conversations, team meetings, whatever, where he has not told those stories to his staff. Like, they have to know how he was treated. And and that, that to me, you, you know, this kid's up and coming. Um, what? Why would you want to go somewhere where you know I mean, you know how much you respect Kyle Shanahan, and then you know that the organization that you're looking at treated him so poorly. I don't see, I don't see him making that jump. I mean, to me, if you're him, you're already a hot, you're already a hot commodity, right? So why not stay with the 49ers, ride this out a little bit, see where it goes. You, you know, you, you've helped build this. Why not stick around and, and see if you can win a couple Super Bowls with this team? Because I think they're built for. The, the, the long term, I mean, if you look at that team. And then, you know, you get your ring there, and then you go pick a top job. You know, because there, there are going to be other top jobs that are going to come available in the next year or two. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, if I was with the 49ers right now, or if I had this kids here, I mean, that's the first thing I would tell them. Just stay where you're at, buddy. Because would you rather spend the next three years chasing Super Bowls or the next three years wondering whether or not you're going to get fired as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Oh yeah. It, I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree necessarily with some of that, but I, I don't know. I, that's, that's who I would like to see. Like I said, I still think it's going to be McDaniels, but um, that's the guy I'd like to see in the building. Yeah. Well, I will say if it is McDaniels, we'll be back on this podcast in three years talking about the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns. But Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're giving him three years. That means there was at least one semi-successful year in there. Uh, so. <laughs> well, Hugh Jackson got two and a half years, so I mean, uh, well, well, it was a semi-successful year. But, uh, well, there we go. There we go. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. They got me um, – I'm a, I'm a little uh, – confused uh about what direction they they really want to go in and and if they even know really what direction um they want to go in given that they they said they wanted somebody with head coaching experience and then they've uh moved so quickly that essentially everybody with head coaching experience other than mcdaniels has been hired um unless you're taking jim schwartz and his 29 and 51 (laughs) record um well hey let's throw it out there Uh, playoff appearance as Let's throw it out there. Wade, Wade Phillips is available. Um, you know, I'm just saying. Hey, you know what? I'm just saying. Whoever whoever we hire as our head coach should hire him as the defensive coordinator. Yeah. yeah. 
and they should call up Norv Turner and say, "Hey, I know they just you guys just hired uh, Matt Rule, and you're no longer the offensive coordinator, but a special assistant to the head coach. You want to come back and be an offensive coordinator?" And I know Norv was done dirty by this he organization as well. Yeah, I, but, I was there when he left. It, 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 trust me, there's yeah, no way I know, he's I know. coming back unless he's coming yeah, back yeah. to. Uh, it, it'd be like the. Uh, um, I'm trying to think entourage. But I'm just saying. Ari came back. Yeah. You know, he's coming back with a paintball gun. You need, you need two quality guys in those roles, and I don't think you can do better as a defensive coordinator than, than Wade Phillips. And if you can bring him in, I think that would take off immense pressure on whoever is the new head coach if he comes in as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, talk about guy just brings immediate respect into the room, to the organization. Uh, you you can't do better in my mind than that guy. Well, and I guess that's got to be one of the questions I would hope this committee's asking. Um, you, you know, because we talk about Josh McDaniels being the number. Okay, okay. So let, let's say you're our number one choice for head coach. I I mean, who who is Josh McDaniels bringing in as his coordinators? I, I mean, that would be a question. Well, I don't know who any of these guys are bringing in as their yeah. coordinators, right? I mean, you're at a point now where I mean, that's the the problem with delaying this long is the other new coaches are filling out their staffs as well. And if you're a guy and you get that opportunity for that promotional role, you're not going to wait to see if your buddy McDaniel Stefanski or Sala gets the job. You're going to say, Hey, you know what? I know rule. I know Joe judge. I know some of those guys. And I'll, and you got to imagine that Joe judge is probably going to has some of the same people on his list that Josh McDaniels does. Yeah. Right, I mean, they were with the same organizations. They've worked for the same coaches. So you better make that hire, and you better start outfitting your staff right away because those guys you may have on your list right now, they might not be there when you're finally in that role. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, and, and this goes back to – I'll just leave it with it. This goes back to what we said about the committee. And, and to me, what are your thoughts on the fact that we've got four – that we know of upwards to six people on this selection committee, why would you not just tell Dee Podesta, listen, and, and, you, and you knew you were going to get rid of Kitchens, I, hopefully two months ago. Why not yeah. Why not have Dee Podesta say, hey, listen, you're in charge of the process. Um, you got to write the last two times that we didn't listen to you. We're going to put you in charge. You have two months to come up with a name, and then... You know, day after the season's over, we're going to fire Freddie. You present that name, and we're going to go 100% after that person, all in at that person. Why that wasn't done, I don't know, because I think we've... See, I don't think they... I think you're giving him way too much credit to assume that two months out that that decision was made. Because I think they were looking at it from the standpoint of, with three weeks left in the season, this team was still in playoff contention. With that... So even after that loss to the Steelers, you still had, you know, I can't even remember what the last, or maybe the Steelers was the last of the three games. I don't remember. I'd have to, again, look at the schedule. But the the, the Arizona, the Bengals game, whatever the other game was there. Miami. Right. Miami. The, the, the team was still in playoff contention. So I don't think they would have fired Freddie if this team made the playoffs. So I really think probably two weeks out, and even after, after they lost that game, in, in in week 15, I think they were thinking, hey, if we win week 
16 and week 17 and we finish 8 and 8, they were going to give him another run back. So I really don't think until after week 16, this team had made their decision to mount Freddie Kitchens. No. As insane as that sounds, I think that was, and I don't think necessarily DePodesta was on that, but I think from an ownership standpoint, they had not sold that decision to themselves until after week 16 and the team lost and they were guaranteed a losing record and you knew they weren't going to make the playoffs that this thing was over that's so he did he hasn't had the time even if even if you would have done that he wouldn't have had the time to to put together a a great proposal i think he still could have done a fine job in a week don't get me wrong um but I don't think they had the two months that that you say because I don't. I just don't think that they were on that on that boat. I think they were on the the ship that said, "Hey, we can still make the playoffs," or "Hey, well, we can't make the playoffs, but we can still finish five hundred. That's an improvement from seven, nine, and one, and and we'll run it back with this guy." And so I don't think until week sixteen this this ownership had made that decision. I was ready to fire him after the opener. <laughs> I think you were ready to fire him the day he was hired. Oh well, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that, I just um, well, what, what are you going to do, right? And, and, and you know, this is uh, I'm just going to this is an extra. I'm going to charge any. Uh, this is a freebie. I'm not charging anything extra for it. I, I, in watching the playoffs and seeing how New England performed, I, I'm just going to float this out there, and you can run with it, or we could edit it out. One of the two. I'm just wondering. What we could have got for Odell Beckham if we had floated him to the Patriots, a potential trade. Because I'm going to be honest with you, moving forward into next year, no matter who we hire as head coach, I think that's a guy we need to move off of this team if, if we're going to move forward. Um, I, I, I The talent, I'm not going to dispute. He is a talented person. But if you're looking to create a winning culture, a disciplined culture. I think that's the first guy you got to get rid of. Um, and I, I really, honestly, thought that we should have gotten rid of him before the season was over, just to send a message moving forward. Because it's just, I, I don't know. But but I'm I'm thinking New England, knowing that you know that they're trying to keep Brady interested in being on that team. They're trying to continue to win championships. I just wonder what they would have given up for a talent like that. Um, I guarantee they wouldn't have given up what we gave up. So, I mean, you're not getting back first and third round picks. You know, and it's it's not going to happen. And and so, I don't even think you would have gotten back a first round pick. I think you'd have been lucky to get maybe a, a, a two and a four at that point. At whatever point you would have offered him. But, and but, I, but do, I think do that's we think, what you're probably going to get. Do we think get. we're ever going to get that value anyhow? Uh, I mean... Oh no, I don't think you're going to get it anyway. I think the I think the value is even lower now. Um, you know, I mean, I think if you can get a, if you can get a two and a four, take it and 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 rid yourself. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily a talent issue. I just think it's a you know it's it's a personality issue. And I'm not saying he has a bad personality, but I'm just saying it doesn't fit with the this team, this type of team. I think he can be on a team that has success and be all he wants to be and and do all he wants to do because it doesn't necessarily matter some of that stuff. Well, not that it doesn't matter. It matters less when the team is winning. Yeah. When you're trying to build a culture and do some of those types of things, it's 
it's a preeminent thing that you that you have to have. And I think much like Randy Moss kept it in check when he was in New England, um, Belichick and that staff can just say, listen, hey, if you're going to win, you're going to do it our way. Um, whereas when you're on a losing team, you can't. It's tougher for that coach, especially a guy like Freddie Kitchens, to rein that that personality in. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think New England would be a great place for him. I think both for him and for um, that franchise. I would hate to see him go there because that would make the Browns and every other team in the AFC <laughs> have to work that much harder to to beat the Patriots. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, I would like to see him moved along. Um, for for those reasons, I mean, it's not like the last few years have been that great for him. I mean, he hasn't really had an outstanding season. And I know he was hurt in in twenty seventeen, and he missed several games in 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 twenty eighteen as well. But he hasn't really had an outstanding season since twenty sixteen. Yeah. So it's not like the guys lighten up um, the league from that standpoint. I mean, he had as many touchdowns in 2015 in the 2015 season as he has his last three seasons combined. And again, I know he hasn't played um, every game in in two of those three seasons, but and I know you know he was hurting this year with the Browns, uh, but those numbers are not um, where they should be for a guy who's uh, takes as much away as he sometimes gives. Yeah, although he did lead the league in a number of shoe changes, uh, you know, pregame. Um, so, you know, he got that going for you. Hey, you know, you can't you can't beat yeah. that. Can't beat that. It's all about the shoes. So. Well, well, hopefully uh, hopefully next week at this time um, when we get together, we'll, we'll we'll know who the head coach is um, and then we can we can begin to um, speculate who the uh, the yes man slash GM is uh, is going to be? Because that always works well, right? You, you know, you, it's the one thing I always. I'm going to assume it's it's whoever their best friend is. That's a somewhere in a player personnel department in the league. Yeah. Well, I, I you know I just wish during my time with the Browns that they had allowed me to pick my boss. Um, I, I think I'd probably still be there um, if that had happened. But, um, yeah, well, what I'm hoping is if if, if Robert Saleh becomes uh, our next head coach, that he just brings Stevie Spencer back with him <laughs> that would be um, nice. from the Niners, and he names him general manager, uh, and then we got our boy back in the in town, and uh, and then we can hit him up and, and just have him do uh, whatever we need for us. You know, I'm sure his mom would be happy uh, that he's now just down the street as opposed to across the country, as you know, she sits uh, two offices over. So uh, I, I, I'm all in on Team Spence if that happens. So yeah, me too. I'm all in on Team Spence even if it doesn't happen. <laughs> that kid's awesome. So uh, <laughs> all right, Browns backers, we're gonna wrap it up here. It was about a 50 minute pod for you, just kind of talking about who we might hire. And geez, if I don't get this typed up or typed up or edited up here in the next uh, 15 minutes, I don't know. We might be past uh, the time. Hopefully, they won't make the hire today. Uh, but enjoy the rest of the trip, Tony. Uh, enjoy the CFP. We'll see you back in town next week. We might have to jump on a pod uh, if you got some time on Saturday or Sunday to if we do hire a coach just to get a sure. five or ten minute quick hitter in to talk about that. But uh, that's all we got for now. Thanks for listening, Browns backers. Jump check. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. 
There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.